A few words featured in last week's bulletin. And I read, with a new year ahead, it needs to be said that we choose to be happy or hurt. Those things that transpire can lift us up higher or drag us right down to the dirt. What matters the most are the thoughts that we host, much more than what tumbles our way. Regardless what comes, whether feasting or crumbs, our outlook determines our day. Life marches ahead with cheer or with dread, depending completely on me. What is, is what is, and it is what it is. But I choose how to frame what I see. It's hard to read those words without thinking of the Apostle Paul and the wonderful uh, example of attitude he left for us. The Apostle Paul who suffered so much and yet was able to say rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice in Philippians 4 and verse 4. Uh, Paul who endured so much and yet wrote the Philippians in chapter 4 saying I have learned in whatever state I am in therewith to be content. Continuing to say I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And here in the fourth chapter of 2 Corinthians, Paul has just mentioned the troubles he's been facing, the persecutions he's been suffering. Later on in the same book, the 11th chapter, Paul will talk about how he's been scourged, how he's been beaten with rods, how he has been stoned, how he has been shipwrecked more than once. He's faced his difficult times. And yet, uh, beyond it all, through it all, on top of it all, Paul was a man uh, of perennial optimism and steadfast faith in the Lord. He says in the text we just read, I, I don't lose heart. I'm not giving up. I'm not quitting. Uh, though the outward man is perishing, the inward man is renewed day by day. He goes on to say, for this light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at things which are seen, but at things which are not seen. For things which are seen are temporal or temporary. The things which are not seen are eternal. He continues into the next chapter by saying, we know that if the earthly house of this tent this body be dissolved. We have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And just a few verses later, he says we walk by faith, not by sight. Despite everything happening to him, against him, around him, all the sufferings, the afflictions, the persecutions, the pain, the peril, beyond and above it all, Paul says, I see things a different way than most people see them. He sees joy. He sees optimism. He lives by faith because he has framed the world in a particular, we might even say a unique way. 
And I mention these things because as we bring this year to a close and we consider the new year ahead of us, so much of our happiness, our, our joyfulness will depend upon whether we follow Paul's example or just continue along the way we've already been living, which for many of us, you have to admit, is somewhat miserable. Not because of what's happening around us, but because the miserable attitude we have amidst it all. Uh, wouldn't it be wonderful to be more like Paul and regardless what happens, what comes our way, uh, to rejoice in the Lord? Wouldn't it be terrific if all of us, like the Apostle Paul, in faith, uh, could say as he does, I walk by faith and not by sight. Paul sees things in a different, a unique way. He says that uh, the outward man is perishing. The inward man, though, is renewed day by day. He chooses to emphasize the spiritual, the inner man, over the physical, the, the outer man. And that changes everything in his perspective, his, his vision of the world. If you haven't noticed, if you're of any age at all, you've begun to realize that the body, as aging, projects itself forward as it goes through the vestiges of time, that age doesn't make the body stronger. I was watching, like perhaps some of you, not all of you, but some of you, football games the last few days, and I remember watching years ago thinking, you know, if I just trained right, I think I could be out there with them. And then a few years later, I was thinking, you know, I, they could be my children. And now they could be my grand, no, my great-grandchildren. Time gets away from us. And those things that we used to could do, if we ever could do them, we can't anymore. The outward man is perishing. And for Paul, much more than just the natural process of aging and time and decay, it was accelerated by so many things happening against him by way of persecution. His body was a wreck. Poor eyesight, perhaps a bended form because of the stoning at Lystra and other matters. He was a he was a wreck of a man physically. And he admits it. He doesn't act like a Pollyannish uh, optimist against the reality of the world. He says the outward man is perishing. But he also says that's not what's most important. That's going to happen. What matters is the inward man is being renewed day by day. And he emphasizes his life in that direction and not the other. Now, I realize it's difficult as, as the pain sets in and as the, the organs cease to work as they used to and as the body just slows down, it's hard not to look at that and focus on that. But Paul says that's just the way it's going to be. The outward man perishes. That's the default position of life and living. What we should, though, emphasize is this part of us that will outlast the body. That part of us that is the real us, the spirit. 
which will live on long after the body is gone. As we sing so often, the soul never dies. Would that be the case then? It's a wonderful picture in mind as the body begins to go in one direction downward, the spirit can move in the other upward in growth, in maturity, in Christ-likeness. And that's why if you haven't noticed, some of the best people with the most kindly hearts and the most Christ-like dispositions are the older ones who've learned that over time. The older ones whose bodies have long since started to give out and yet they're stronger internally, they're stronger spiritually, they're stronger in the inner man than they ever were. Yes, you can't help the fact your body is going downhill, but you have some control over your spirit going uphill. We all have control over the cultivation and the maturity of our inner persons. And whereas we can't help getting old physically, we need never get old spiritually. Every day we should get stronger and stronger, more full of faith, more interest in the Bible, more love for the Lord. Every day we should be getting stronger by way of the inner man. And you change that. And we might say you change only that. And you've altered enough to give your year a better start. I'm going to stop focusing so much on my physical body and focus more upon my spiritual health. If all of us do that, what a better year we'll have. But then Paul goes on and says, and the language is, is, is captivating and, and curious. He says, for this light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Now, when you think about what Paul has endured, he's been scourged, he's been beaten with rods, he's been stoned, at one time stoned and left for dead. He's been shipwrecked, and yet with all of this in mind, he refers to it as a, a, a slight inconvenience. A light affliction. And why? Because it's but for a moment. You've heard preachers talk to you before about the wonders of the heavenly home, the world beyond this one, described in the book of Revelation, especially in chapter 21, a place where there are, there are no tears, there's no sorrow, there's no death, there's no pain. The former things are passed away. What that tells us is that for those in Christ, those debilitating matters of pain and sorrow and loss here are not carried forward with us in the realm beyond. And that also means what you have here is just for here. Now, we sometimes emphasize the fact you can't take it with you when it comes to your money. You can't take it with you when it comes to your bank account, your houses, your, your cars. 
your stuff. You can't take it with you. That's true. But the tears, the sorrow, the pain, the death, the loss, you can't take that with you either. And I'm so glad we can't take it with us. Everything we have of that nature is confined to this world and this world alone. Which gives us the wonderful opportunity not to emphasize it because it's short-lived. And instead focus on the world to come which is eternal. And so when you think about it that way. As difficult as Paul's life had been, how long was his life then compared to how long he's lived since then? And we haven't even touched the hem of the edge of the outside of the thought of eternity. The life is so short, good or bad. This life in the flesh is so brief for better or worse. We shouldn't live this life as if this is all there was. Whatever we have is but for a moment. But for those of us in Christ, the difficulties we face, especially for the cause of Christ, work for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. But then Paul says something next, which by itself makes no sense at all. It's nonsensical. In the most succinct of language, Paul is saying, I'm looking at things that aren't even there. Now, he doesn't say that, and that's not what he means. I'm looking at things that we can't even see. Because those things he couldn't see were there. They were real. They still are. They're just invisible to the mortal eye. While we look not at things which are seen. But at things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. They're temporary. They're for the here and now. Those things which are not seen are eternal. Now you take that verse by itself away from any context of scripture or spiritual mindset. And a person says that you say they've lost their minds. And by the way the world is separate and apart from any real understanding or appreciation for divine truth. And so the world hears us talking like that, and they think we've lost our minds. The very idea. Emphasizing so much those things you can't even see. Back in the 115th Psalm. Beautiful Psalm. It speaks of this difficulty that we have with those outside who don't see things the way we see them. The psalm begins, not unto us, O Lord, not to us, but unto your name give glory for thy mercy and truth's sake. Wherefore do the heathen say, where is your God? Can't see. Where is your God? The answer, our God is in the heavens. He's done whatever he has wanted. He's sovereign. And then the psalmist goes on to, to talk about the gods the heathens have. Who have eyes that can't see, ears that can't hear, mouths they can't speak through, noses they can't smell with. They have hands that can't touch and feet that can't move them about. 
those that make them are likened to them, and yet these gods are completely man-made and they can do nothing for anybody. And in that context, the psalmist goes on to say, the Lord has been mindful of us. The world still says, you believe in God? Can't even see him. Show him to me, I'll believe in him. Well, the evidence is overwhelming. Well, the world still says, what foolishness to, to serve a God you can't even see. And you live life based upon a spirit which you've never seen. How much does the spirit weigh? How much does the soul take up by way of space? Show me your soul. Show me your spirit. And the world just mocks at us with words like that. And Paul does not defend it. He embraces the idea. He'll tell you up front, I don't look at things I can see. And by that he means I don't focus on them. I don't focus on what I can see. And why? Because it's but for a moment. Because it's temporary. Because I won't have it long. I don't focus on those things I can see. Focus on those things I can't see. Because that's what really matters. There is a God in heaven. Jesus Christ was and is his son. The Bible is God's inspired word. Jesus promised to build his church, and he did build his church. And that church still exists today. And we have within us the very hope of heaven for a life to come, which is far more sublime than this one. All of those things we believe and we know because God made promises to us. But we can't see them. But we know them. That changes your mindset. Changes your perspective. Changes your focus. For everything ahead. Everything that your life is about. Now you put your life alongside Paul's. And I tell you one thing. You have it better off physically than he did. Don't care what you're suffering. What you're facing. What your prognosis is. Paul was in bad shape physically. And he ended up, if we understand history as it suggests the case was, he lost his head in a beheading because of Nero Caesar. He was martyred. You have it better than, than Paul did. But from his situation, if he from that could have joy and faith and optimism because he put the spirit ahead of the body, he put eternity ahead of time, he put things that are unseen ahead of those things that are, if he could live that way, with better, more luxurious lives, why can't we? And he's not the first one with the idea. Remember Jesus in Matthew 6 said, Lay not up for yourself treasures upon the earth where moth and rust corrupt, where thieves break through and steal, but Rather, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not corrupt, where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Your, your affection follows your focus. Yes, we can live that way if we choose to.
We can frame things that way if that's our decision. But it's up to us, up to you, and up to me. My friend, this morning, as we close out this year, are you in Christ as a Christian? Do you have the same faith Paul had? Have you ever, because of your faith in Christ, said, I'm going to change my thinking, change my life. I will repent of my sins, confess my faith in Christ, and yes, as Jesus thought, I'm going to be baptized, buried in the waters of baptism, to have my sins washed away by Christ's blood. Have you done that? And if not, why not? What a better morning can you think of than this one? Or perhaps you've done that, but over time, your faith has eroded and your life has moved away from Christ. You need to come back. Ask his forgiveness. Ask his help. Ask our prayers if you need to come. What better time to do so than now? And come as together we stand and sing.